This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann, I'm in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined from Whakatane by Moera Karatai. Kira Moera. Good Sam, how's it going? It's going very well indeed. You're away next week. Yes, I'm in Wellington next week doing an Institute of Directors, oh, I just feel exhausted even saying it out loud, Institute of Directors, very exciting residential course for a week, but... And, and that is, it probably will be as, as much suffering as it sounds like it will be. But um, I will get to see my eldest son, David, who lives in Wellington, so it's all worthwhile. And that's not even your new job? No, that's not even my new job. I've just been offered a teaching role. Not the new, new but, job. You've <laughs> flooded no, with jobs. There's a newer one. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> I'm living Suzanne Paul at the moment. Um, it is, it, but wait, there's more, and there is. And I've you'd just been offered a teaching role, um, teaching a business program with Otago University. So I'm super, super excited about all the goodness that's going on right now. Thank you, you get- to my DPP and for you and Martin getting me over the line. And you're going to be able to do that on top of the communication one for GNS and the one. Yeah, I will. Yeah, this one is 0.3, and so it just put, it puts me at just over a 1 FTE, but I kind of like to roll that way. The more I've got going on, the happier I feel in my life. So it is a really um, – and that's not counting my board rolls <laughs> and our show. <laughs> Good. As long as you put the show first, we'll be right. Who oh. are we introducing today? It is a great pleasure to introduce somebody who we've talked about on the show with others, uh, Vinnie Egan, CEO and founder of Maui Studios. Vinnie, it is an absolutely awesome privilege and pleasure to have you today. Thank you for joining us. No worries. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me onto the show. Kira, Vinnie, where are you, Vinnie? I am currently in Ōtautahi Christchurch. It's super beautiful out here today. And what do you do there? So um, I have the privilege of working with some really amazing um, creatives. We work as part of an organization called Maui Studios. Um, Maui is a Kopapa Māori production studio, and we develop digital content across the board, um, grounded in Mātauranga Māori, Tikanga and Tipuna values, and those are for local and global audiences. So it's a really awesome um, position to be working in, especially being the CEO. Um, it gives me a chance to be able to lead, yeah, some really amazing New Zealand creatives um, and the types of projects that we get to work on is just mind-blowing at times. Eh? So, no, yeah, I'm feeling really blessed. Is that a dream job from when you were little or has you stumbled into it? 
Absolutely. Like, um, and it's funny because, uh, you know, I kind of look back to this little version of myself, this little five-year-old version of myself, in some ways for guidance, because he always seemed to simplify things in a really beautiful way. Um, and, you know, we used to get excited by things like, um, you know, Japanese anime and the like, and it's always been a dream of mine to, to create anime. And, you know, that younger version of myself was always keen to make the next Dragon Ball Z. And so in some instances, even though we're not working on Dragon Ball Z, we're working on things that are likened to that. Um, but I suppose with that really unique Kopapa Māori flavor and feel to it. So, yeah, man, it's just, um, yeah, it's so fun. Definitely living a dream job and every day is different and super, super creative. So this show started in lockdown, and so we've stuck with asking people how their bubble life was, even though that's now turning into history. We'll have to wade through the archaeology soon. How was your bubble life? Oh, it was like it was amazing. I know there was a lot of hardships and things going on at the time, but for me, it was like a a chance to be able to simplify and refocus life. So a lot of these kind of external noises were filtered out, and it was just like down to the very basics of you know how's each day going to be utilized. We cleaned up my diet. Uh, my training, um, and then, of course, my working life and gave me enough time to jump into skills and things that I'd somehow not work on during a non-COVID environment. But because it was COVID, I was like, oh, okay, well, I've got an extra few hours and it's not like I can go anywhere. I might as well focus on developing a skill. Um, and then, yeah, just to be able to do that day in, day out was just actually a really amazing time of my life. Eh? Did the work carry on? Absolutely. If anything, it, it ramped up because um, – People kind of realize the importance of, you know, their digital presence. They're kind of like things like businesses and things. You can't actually go into those spaces. So it made the concept of e-commerce and the like a lot more relevant. And so I know that some places were downsizing during that time, but we were blessed enough to be um, hiring staff and kind of scaling in different areas because people saw the absolute value in more digital outcomes or the online presence and websites were getting done and e-commerce platforms and apps and all that sort of thing. So um, the work continued. We definitely had some times where we sat down with the staff and we had to have some real solid meetings as to like, you know, everyone's going to be all good. We're going to look after each other here. Um, but yeah, it was a chance for us to kind of refocus and grow. And yeah, we thrived during that time, which was cool. So you described Maori Studios as a Kaupapa Maori production studio. Mm. How do you tell a Kaupapa Maori business from one that's not? Well, I think it's just in, in terms of our practices, um, the types of content that we're generating and how we approach some of those things is very different to some like non Kaupapa Maori organizations. Like it wouldn't be uncommon. For us, they have like karakia timatango fakamutunga at the beginning and end of um, of our projects. We have like two container relationships embedded into how we approach um, developing projects to ensure that, let's say, for example, if it's a design project, we have a design junior in on the space, um, ensuring that we're considering mana whenua values, um, just things that we like that are so easy to kind of um, forget about. Yeah, we just ensuring that they're at the forefront of each of the different projects that we've got and like yes we're a business so there's always that commercial element to what we do but we're always considering the wider community and how the decisions that we're making as an organization um, impact the wider community as well or the perception on um, let's say te ao Māori or you know Christchurch communities or Māori communities um, across Aotearoa and that perception of uh, globally as well so it's just considering all these different things um, and then of course like a lot of our process if there's things that we're unsure about we're seeking advice from our tohunga or our komatua 
or even going to the places like because it's a kaupapa maori story often that's connected with things like whakapapa or lineage so we're ensuring that we're going to those places or the wahi tapu or sacred places that those stories come from um, and sitting with the cultural leaders there and kind of like fully immersing ourselves in not only those cultural leaders but also people like descendants and trying to include everyone in that process um, as we can so it's kind of that like a holistic approach to design that's not just making a cool looking picture or a cool looking outcome but it's yeah how do our actions impact that fuller community and how they perceive themselves let's take the first of your music choices let's have tom mish yep. it runs yep. through me why this one um oh i love the song i love how it feels but i think it, it kind of reminds me of a life that i may have lived in terms of being a musician, uh, especially when it comes to the drum side of things. So that's the type of music that as a drummer I would love to be able to play. And so I always listen to Tom Mish, not only because it's like a nice feel-good sort of, you know, jam, but also because it's like, oh, yep, you know, this is who I could have been or may still become later on in life. And this is, yeah, that sort of music just makes me feel really good. Like dudes, warmth in the rhythm, soul that glues, that bounce to my bones. 
tight, a rhythm that's throbbing my vein. Wake up and ride it on the path to pains. Like church, the organ will invite the tears. Like birth, the crying let you know I'm here. Held by the song that gave me a name. Dressed by the verse that gave me a claim. It's just bass in the line, safe to inhale. And if you live well, belong your years and the stay you will be. My time is octave to play for the tree. It's rooted in every single nerve in me. Do like that line i stand protected by the laws of fun sounds like a good way to live mawira <laughs> you talked earlier um at the beginning of the show uh about your five-year-old self and uh and this being like the where you're at now being part of your plan really by the sounds of it where did you develop that creativity from where did it come from is it something that runs in your whanau is it something you developed over time Absolutely. I think like it's it's definitely a mix of those things. Um, both mum and dad, really creative individuals. My dad still does calligraphy and that sort of thing. He's always coming up with custom typefaces and um yeah, as we're just kinda of having family time, he's just sketching away at different things and he was really amazing at drawing and um using watercolours. And then um mum as a teacher, she's always coming up with new resources, um, kind of yeah, she can draw, she can paint and do basically everything everything crafts related so definitely had really creative parents but I think one thing that really added to the type of creative that I am now is always having a really vivid imagination I know that's kind of a typical thing amongst kids but there's like videos of us when we were little on the old VHS um, and I just see these like kind of images in my mind and playing kind of imaginary games and having a lot of fun by myself and just kind of get lost and immersed in, in that sort of, you know, the stuff that can come from your imagination. And yeah, it was just like, yeah, had so much fun just on my own creative and within my own creative mind. And that sort of thing has just been a skill that I've cultivated and held onto and kind of relied upon a lot, hey, just to be able to like have thoughts but then see them visually in my own mind um and then like having a representation of it and then kind of fumbling through how to have a to replicate it i suppose in real life and then just seeing the difference between those two things has been like a really fascinating process to kind of explore and so yeah that creativity and that yeah that imagination has kind of been the the pillar and core piece that i feel that defines me as a creative when you when you apply that to create uh, to uh, critical thinking, is is that is that something is that a combo that you can teach others? Because the critical thinking must be a really huge part of what you're doing. That approach to problem solving, that ability to like see a challenge and find a way through it, uh, to 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 find the truth in things. Mm. How, how do you how do you kind of 
grab that and teach it and and um, embed it in your staff practice. Ooh. Yeah, where you at with that? I suppose it's like the the amazing thing about that sort of imagination and that kind of innate natural instinctive uh, creativity is it's a like a massive ideation tool. So you just like you're con- you're constantly ideating ideas, you're getting them down in whatever way makes sense, whether that's drawing or animating or random shapes or voice or whatever it may be but getting all those different things down and then the critical thinking side of things is around like organizing certain ideas going nut x y and z is a bad idea let's not worry about that for now let's put it to the side oh these ideas can fit together let's pull those in and that critical thinking is just understanding like what role those individual ideas play and then how you can align them to create a meaningful outcome um and then just being able to build upon build upon that from there. Like I suppose it's about creating the context of those seemingly random ideas, and then yeah, just being able to align them to whatever it is that the problem that that you're trying to solve. And so I suppose once you understand it in that way, that almost sounds like a design process, like ideation, and then critical thinking is to like kind of filter it out, refine it, and then you kind of put it in place, and then it heads towards meeting the the kind of brief outcome or the brief um, end solution. So. And that's, yeah, I suppose that's kind of informed the design process that we use here and especially a part of our training is now that we've kind of templated that process, it's something that we can just encourage young people or our juniors to be able to jump in and start using themselves. Um, and that's across the board with it. Like that same kind of approach can apply to like illustration or graphic design or film or web development. Even though each of those things have their own unique components to them, um, yeah, they they like most of it that's following the same same kind of process, and then you like having another layer layer of critical thinking, um, and that kind of does that professional practice. So placing that creative um, process into a professional environment, and then being able to layer it with those like professionalism things, like administrative things or invoicing or non-disclosure, those kind of business related outcomes. It just gives you a bit more of a fuller picture that can, um, I, I guess, thrive in a in a um, commercial setting. Do you do you look for those skills and that way of practice when you employ someone new or is it something that you can cultivate in the right person who might have the creative skills but might not have the critical thinking kind of thing? I think like I think each of them can be cultivated in anyone. Eh? Like one of our employees didn't have a background in creativity whatsoever, like had kind of some sort of ideas and things that were interesting, but had like a roofing background that was completely unrelated to creativity. Um, well, it was an, a dormant creative ability, I suppose. And so it was around like having enough um, of building enough of a relationship with that person to be able to understand what are some goals and things that they're keen to achieve or what are some things that they're interested in their own time as leisure activities and then how can we draw some of those things out and start to consume them but in the work setting and then starting to place tools in their hands that they can use to start ideating in that space and like over the last two years going from a non-creative person um, seeing how creative they are in like unreal engine world building and understanding mechanics and lighting and all these sort of design um, theory, just seeing how they've kind of adapted some of those things instinctually has just been really amazing. And like, it's absolutely up to the uniqueness of the person and their willingness to dedicate themselves to like a new craft of theirs. But I also suppose that just like, it helps when you understand the creative process a little bit better and um, ways that you can fit 
basically anyone into a creative pipeline just with enough time and, and the right resources. Is it hard to find those people? It can be. Like, I think it's sometimes it's just the willingness to jump. Like, because, you know, quite often some of the roles that they're stepping into and the ways that they can help us are not really defined or we're, we're so young in understanding the fuller, you know, creative world that we're operating in that we don't quite understand what the role is or, you know, what, but seeing people that are keen in us, that trust in the overall vision of Maui enough to just jump and like literally pack up their lives in this city and move to Christchurch and then jump into some of the projects and things, I suppose like, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just finding people that are okay with taking some risks um, and that are willing to try something new. So maybe those people are few and far between, but I, I think we've just been lucky to find find some that have been willing. If you're at the cutting edge, that, well, there's a question, do you have to be at the cutting edge? But if you're at that 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 edge, that place of, towards the cutting edge where you need to be on the technology, on the business, on the creativity and on the cultural aspects, that's an awful lot of dimensions you're looking for in a in a sweet spot have, have you found it <laughs> i think there's definitely a lot of room for us to grow but um at the same time like we're all super optimistic and happy with how things are progressing with um thriving um by a number of different metrics and yeah i, I feel that we've definitely found that sweet spot but what's also so exciting is that you know there's yeah there's so many more things that we we know about that we're currently learning, and once we're on the other side of those things, the types of doors that that's going to open up um, is just a really exciting prospect. And like Maui Studios turned eight like eight years um, like a month or so ago, so like we're heading in the direction of being a business that survived that kind of daunting decade line which a lot of businesses don't actually survive past and a lot of them don't make it past year two or whatever so we're kind of incrementally in, in improving our position and hitting milestones that are real meaningful to us but yep i think we're sitting in a nice sweet spot across each of those things we kind of figured out how to make the most of each of them now in a way that's um is that creating growth for the organization and our people do you have to be at the cutting edge of those things, or is it a, at a enough of an edge to be interesting? Um, I don't think you have to be in the cutting edge of each of them. I think like uh, trying to be at the cutting edge of each of them in some ways is, has slowed us down in terms of developing certain things because it takes resource to jump into a new idea, right? Whether that's your time or money or whatever. Um, it, it definitely, there is a price to each of the different things that you try. So I feel that in hindsight, it would be beneficial to maybe pick less things and then go deeper. Um, but at the same time, like we've been able to leverage the fact that we've jumped into new technologies to be able to create new opportunities that have been meaningful. So it's kind of hard to gauge without knowing, like seeing, tracking all the data of all the things that have been happening. But um, yeah, it's definitely been tricky. But we're, we're, we're figuring it all out in a really interesting way. If you talked about having that vision and being able to to make that vision come true, do you have to compromise on those visions or is it about somehow finding enough magic that you can make that vision you know, close enough that it looks like the vision, even if there's a bit of sellotape behind it? Yeah. Well, I, I think it like in terms of the vision, it's almost like this is going to be a weird kind of weird way to put it, but it's almost like seeing a future memory. So it's like you kind of visualize what that looks like, what it feels like, um, and it's like you never know the full detail of what you're seeing at that time, 
you know, you don't remember what clothes you're wearing or whatever, but there's a general sense of things that you've achieved at that time and the future milestones that you plot. But it's been meaningful not to know every single specific detail how to get there. Um, and then I think that just adds to the fun of it. It still gives room for spontaneity. It still gives room. But at the same time, there is a solid kind of guiding star that we're heading in the direction of. And so there's definitely structure to it um, at times where it feels like it makes sense to do that. But then again, it's also nice to have like an unknown roller coaster that we're we're navigating and um, enjoying, you know, enjoying the journey of it. That's such go. a good line. Seeing a future memory, I do like that. Bubbles, fright <laughs> of the forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou. I hope you're all beautiful superstars in your beloved universes, and I really hope. Wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all the last several years have been very tough. And we've had to deal with so much that has been completely unexpected. We've had to learn so many new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling. And of course, this has had a toll on all of us. And for many of us, in fact, all of us, I'm sure, we are still in a state of recovery and recalibration. I know for myself, so much has changed in my life. And I'm therefore very grateful for the aspects which have remained constant my friends and find those who I love, my beautiful workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, and of course, the constancy, the companionship, the love and the healing inspiration that always comes from the living world. And as I talk to you now, I'm gazing at my window to the beautiful twilight, Northeast Valley. Birds are singing, celebrating the day as it becomes darker as the night descends. And as we journey into that different realm, it's a beautiful time when, of course, we begin to unwind and remember all of those beautiful rhythms that guide us. I know, of course, as a species that we've had to deal with the unexpected over and over again. And this means that we have a lot of wonderful responses that are automatic in our living toolkit. And of course, for all of us, there are so many different aspects to ourselves that can come in handy when we are having to navigate new landscapes. Of course, for all of us, there is an aspect, there is a part that is observing the flow of our lives, that is watching. And this part can be very helpful to connect with when we are feeling overwhelmed, when we are feeling there is too much happening. We can take that little step back emotionally, and ask that observing part to really take the wheel and allow us to see things from a broader perspective, the bigger picture, and break things down into more manageable tasks. There is, of course, also beautiful parts of us that nurture and nourish, that inner nurturer, that inner caretaker, these parts of us that can really come to the fore when we need to feel loved and supported, when we need to be nurtured, when we need to be coddled and cared for and allowed to rest when we need some very simple and 
easily achieved self-care. It's wonderful that we can call upon these parts of ourselves to come to the fore. And of course there is that part of us that feels such joy and such connection to the present moment. That part of us who feels the gift that life is. That part of us who is thrilled by each new experience, by each breath. That part of us that is ever curious. That part of us that is always grateful and excited. And of course, all these different parts function so well together when we allow them the space to be. And so I really hope for you, you're getting the opportunity to really enjoy the interplay of all these different aspects of your inner landscape and how by taking it in turns to really savour the moments that we are all sharing, we can joyfully and carefully and with love navigate each new day. Of course, being part of the show is a great pleasure for me, great honour, great privilege. So a big thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me and to all of you, and I'll look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Ka kite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Vinnie Egan. Vinnie, within the bounds of confidentiality and trade secrets, what are you working on? Oh, I'm currently working on um, our Maui Studios lookbook. So I'm doing the final little finishing touches of it. Um, and it's been a meaningful exercise because it means that we can celebrate work that we've kind of forgotten about. Because it's so easy as a, like an organization and so many busy things going on that you'll finish a project and then the next one's coming through the pipeline. So you have to put this stuff over here. And so, um, yeah, but it's a chance for us to kind of sit back, reflect and look at all the work that we've done over the last 12 months and sort of celebrate it, celebrate all the staff that does all these cool, interesting pieces of work and all these long hours and stuff to get them over the line, but also to see the full volume of it. And it's like a volume of just real high quality pieces of work. So I'm real proud of the team. Um, But yeah, it's nice to kind of just reflect on a, a year that was awesome and just celebrate celebrate some of the wins that we've had yeah so we're excited to be able to release that and get it into people's hands um and share this yeah this the cool co-puppers that we've been developing you're running a busy studio do you get to draw stuff and make things (laughs) well like i try to um i I have a genuine curiosity in a lot of technologies i suppose that's kind of reflected in some of the business behaviors but um i love tinkering trying out different stuff like uh, i've got a kind of fancy in the future that as an older fellow get back into just doing the drawing side of things because that's where it all started for me um for the time being it's nice to tap into five or six illustrators that are like probably better than i'll ever be and that was a hard to swallow ego pill you know just be like i'm not going to be the best ever at drawing but at the same time, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice to see what they can do with your idea. So, um, I suppose ideation is—it's now in the form of prompts and words, opposed to the literal drawing itself. And so much more gets done in, in, a, fa- in a faster thing. But some projects, like um, different branding projects that we're currently on, I like to jump in those personally, just to ensure I stay sharp, as well as refine my tool kind of tainer, like kind of teaching and student relationship with some of our staff members. Um, yeah, yeah, just yeah, just keep my keep my skills sharp. Yeah, I'm currently um, learning Unreal Engine, uh, UE5, and then I want to do some online courses. I'm still searching for the right one, um, but UI UX design, just because that's a skill set I've always been curious by, but just haven't quite found the time to jump into just yet. So I'm I'm searching for the right course for that one at the moment. What impact is AI going to have on your industry? 
Oh, huge impact um, across, and I think it. I think it speaks more less to the industry and more to the individuals within the industry, like making our lives heaps more time efficient um, and the quality of what we're producing to a higher level in a shorter amount of time. Just thinking that like off the bat, I'm, I think I'm using like five different AIs to help with different projects. So obviously Midjourney as a concept development tool, um, Replica as a note-taking tool, things like copy AI for writing copy for um, like stories or social medias. And just, there's just so many useful artificial intelligences out there. And the future of it is like, you know, we're only getting started now. The future of it, probably obsolete. Many of the things we do as creatives or the hands-on stuff we do as creatives, and it'll take us back to just what is the idea and where is the idea coming from and how does that relate with the emotional part of people um, I think that'll be our role. But then again, like you never know with artificial intelligence, they'll probably get better at us, better than us at that too. Um, but for the time being, yeah, it's huge. Speeds up concept artists, especially mid-journey, speed up concepts artists um, work. And there's already AI that are, um, you know, doing auto motion capture based on flat video or um, even there's talks in the, um, talks of like uh, AI that is creating 3D models, fully materialed and textured 3D models based on flat images. So um, it's going to be a super interesting, crazy future for our industry. And artificial intelligence plays a real key role in all of that. And looping back to the start, talking about Kapapa Maori, what, how does that how does that interface? Well, I think it's a useful tool for archiving our Fakapapa. So like. Obviously, Whakapapa is where we get all our wisdom and guidance from. We, there's a Whakatoki, and I'll paraphrase, around looking back into the past um, to inform what we do in the future. And so, you know, as artificial intelligence becomes more of a useful tool for capturing that stuff, it'll be, we'll be able to be, better represent some of the messaging for some of our people past as long as we start capturing that stuff sooner rather than later. I know people have done memoirs or like written out content and I know friends and things are starting to get video capture of some of their um, komatuas before they pass. But like iterations or the next iteration of that is to have um, like 3D renditions of them or metahuman versions of them. Um, and then AI, like trained AI, they have both their voice and tonality as well as their key kind of messages um, into like an interactive AI chatbot sort of thing. So I think it's going to play a massive role in just archiving our um, archiving our past. And like things, like at the moment, you know, there's a bit of a push to get photogrammetry 3D renditions of marae and wahi tapu all over Aotearoa um, just because there are like standards of, you know, let's say an earthquake proof marae is kind of something that not too many people have and so some of those marae are getting pulled down just out of a health and safety thing so there's a chance for us to go and archive those digitally so that people can still visit those in the future so i think yeah definitely definitely plays a key role yeah um karitiana toyuru talks about the he uses the the mokomeads tikanga test to look at um artificial intelligence and and challenges uh, challenges us to rethink what it means to consider it as a sentient, mm. that it, do, it doesn't have to meet, be that sort of walking, talking feeling that we might have thought sentient AI had to be, but because of mm. all of those things, in the same way that a river can be a person, then an AI can, can also be a person. But he says the real challenge that that's going to open up is when the AI starts recreating lost knowledge. 
Mm. So if you put all these precursors together and then it comes up with new stuff that's recreating stuff that we had forgotten or you had been lost so far. That's so interesting, man. I'd love to. I'd love to sift through that. <laughs> Go anywhere. Well, okay. What like what's interesting about that is how would you validate that there was lost knowledge? Because no one knows that it was lost, right? Or would it be like would be revealing tikanga that once kind of scrutinized to be like actually that that makes sense. We would have done something like that. Like it, it would just be interesting to dive into those conversations and get those started. Do what? Yeah, it's awesome. Let's take the second of your music choices, talking about awesome things. Let's have Zach Winters, Love My Woman. Why this one? Um, because I met an amazing girl. <laughs> and the song just happened to come up and it found its way into one of our playlists at the right moment. And I've always had real kind of fond thoughts of this song. And it reminds me of some really good times that we've had together. Um, and that we continue to have together. And so, yeah, I just thought it's one of those songs that I'll listen to maybe a few times a day, um, you know, when it's in your playlist like that. And it's just like a lovely, another lovely, really feel-good song. Ten thousand miles behind us and ten thousand more Trying for a chemical reaction I was hoping for more For my love And the spring brings the rain After blossom comes the fruit And then love is our dream
things we talk about a lot on the show is education. And um, recently I was talking to a friend of mine who's in a, a similar industry to you, and he has stopped asking people what their education is. It used to be everyone had to have a degree and now he doesn't ask anymore. He's more interested in the way that people think and how they apply that thinking. Where do you sit in that space? Oh, I completely agree with that. Like, I know, um, One thing that's massive to us, is, especially as creatives, is your portfolio. Um, and it doesn't have to be a, a, like a formal portfolio sort of thing. It's just like, show us some cool stuff that you've made. Like, you know, uh, and... And then let's just catch up and have a bit of a yarn. So, like, if you can show us something that we're like, oh, whoa, this would be amazing. You know, we could this could fit this project that we're currently struggling with, or this could fit da da da. Um, and then the whole yarn thing is just like, let's go sit down and have a coffee and go be people to one another instead of it like kind of like this awkward sort of formal interview process that's quite rigid. Um, it doesn't let people be themselves, and we want to be able to people to feel comfortable to speak freely so that we can understand what their ideas really are, opposed to what they think we want to hear. So, um, yeah, being able to just be people with one another. And so I like especially new staff or people that we're vetting. Um, I'll go have a coffee and we'll just talk about life and family and do a whakawhanaungatanga session, um, which I suppose speaks to that tikanga prompt that you had earlier. Um, or kaupapa Māori approaches, like, let's just understand where each other come from, what our values are first before we start speaking about any of the mahi stuff. And, like, yeah, it's not uncommon when it comes to those kind of business or working relationships that it might turn into a spontaneous come over to Nandi and Koro's place for a kai or, you know, my cousin's going fishing in the weekend, can you go for a mission, that sort of thing. Um, but it's just around, yeah. Are you creative? Do you like doing cool stuff? And we'll see, are you passionate enough in your craft to create something that's amazing? And then, yeah, who are you as a person and what are your values? And those things are most important to an organization like ours. Um, yeah, we kind of don't really look at the, the degree stuff or, um, yeah, that stuff's kind of less relevant to our industry, yeah. Do you think that that model can apply across the board? Do we do we put way too much emphasis on bits of paper that say that you can sit in a classroom and learn for a few years? And do you think do you think that those conversations can be across the board and even way outside of your industry? Absolutely. Um, well, because like I think, and you're you starting to see that shift now, and especially in the tertiary places, places, especially like you know, um, over in Otago and stuff like that, where there's more of a focus on the practical side of the skills, but a lot of degrees that are more traditional are focusing on a like a way of working that's outdated. You know, it's like, uh, like you know, like can you fit within this specific shape box? And if you can't, you're wrong for whatever reason. But um, yeah, I think it's just there should be more of an emphasis on people as individuals and what their strengths are and what are their interests and where they're going to put purposeful intention. Um, there should be more of an understanding around that instead of them just doing some pre-prescribed kind of test that doesn't really make any difference in the real world. It's that kind of theory first practical side of things. I definitely see that there is a a useful balance between the two um, when you when you get the right balance. But yeah, there definitely needs to be a wider conversation of who people are as a whole and what they can bring to society opposed to yeah, just fitting within those rigid boxes. If you went back to your uh, back to your high school days, if I could magic you back to high school now, what would you change about your high school education journey 
that will better enable the decision you made to go into the industry that you have and this um and better and better provide skills for you what would you change so there was something and i was grateful to my um the the leaders of disciplinary action because i used to get in trouble a little bit because i wasn't quite fitting in the box um so they we had like a bit of a sit down and they go you know what do you think will work for you in order for you to get what you need to get into university and that sort of thing and i was like look i've got my credits and stuff to be able to get UE. Um, I'm keen to um, I'm keen to get into this creative side of things and get a bit of a jump on it. I'd prefer to be able to spend more time doing creative things instead of computing class or whatever the other thing was. Um, so if if um, educators at that level were keen to facilitate something like that, be more open to conversations like that and allocating more time um, to those sorts of, you know, that sort of learning environment, then I think that would be meaningful for more students. And then, yeah, because, yeah, it was just like, I know what I want to be, I know where I want to get to, and I know kind of how to do it, sort of areas on how to do it. So if you guys can just be cool instead of sending me to the detention to go sit in a room and do nothing or do lines, instead creating an environment, I could do creative stuff instead, which is what I want to do with my life. Um, that would be amazing. And so, like, they did let me do that creative thing, but it just, if they could do more of that, you know, I could, I could be a little bit further down the track. I like that approach, and it would be amazing to see more of an approach like that in our secondary education that was more where the plan was learner-centred rather than system-centred. Mm. So how do Absolutely. we just how do we get the kind of system disruption that we need to enable that? Oh, at what level? Like, um, maybe okay. Just as this is off the bat, maybe if there was like a like a template for disruption, I suppose that would empower maybe like a, a group of teachers to have their own sort of um education space aside from these kind of bureaucratic processes of of public schools or the like. I don't know, um, because it'd, it'd be hard to do to create something that impacts all of New Zealand and all of the world. Um, yeah, that's a tough question. Some some kids thrive in the box. They need the box. The box is yeah. where they are comfortable. They can they know what their what the expectation is for assessment. They know how to assess themselves. But I think that there are way more kids who who need to be outside of the box than in it. Mm. And we destroy that creativity and and destroy their soul by <laughs> yeah. trying to force them into the box. Yeah. So yeah, how do we true. save souls of those kids? So I like that kids. idea, actually, giving teachers a, a space, an unshaped space, um, that they can invite the learners into to just be. Yeah, yeah. Just have like a whole bunch of crazy tools in there as well where, you know, kids can just cut loose and get creative with them. Like I, still, I, I do still see the value of certain levels of structure, but at the same time, it's just not having only that way not only having the box but other shapes too or no shapes at all um and then just instead of it being a punishment thing for kids to be drawn or gravitate towards the no box scenario um it, for it to be encouraged and 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 just as a choice giving mm. kids the choice enabling them empowering them because i just can see a lot more happiness in an education system where you get to have more choices yeah you do, there's, there's not enough choices for our kids it's like do you want to choose this red or this other shade of red which is almost identical but will just slightly change it so that you feel <laughs> like you've got a choice and yeah, that's, yeah. that's not helpful mm, absolutely no, i agree with that and maybe it is around like different individuals they have a platform 
um, that are success stories of not fitting in the box, just being able to share that voice a little bit wider too. And then maybe some sort of follow-up around, you know, here's a tangible action plan that you can take to maybe um, develop kids that are outside the box thinkers. Mm. Okay, so I have, moving on from tangible action plans, we can't have that. <laughs> I have some questions to end the show with. Vinny, yeah. what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Ooh, I think one of the biggest successes we've had over the last couple of years is removing ourselves from a co-working environment um, and kind of having the courage to go out on our own and set up our own space. So we're in a co-working environment. It's nice and cozy and safe. And there's all these kind of things that are looked after for us, especially around like health and safety and kind of um, documentations and all that sort of thing. But for us to finally have the courage to go, nope, we're going to go out into our own space, um, define our own sort of vibe as an organization and go out on our own two feet fully um, and take off the training wheels essentially and have our own HQ. That was a big step for us because it, it meant that, you know, if anything kind of goes wrong or is needed, that it falls on our own shoulders instead of whoever is running that co-working environment. Um, but it also encouraged us because it was quite like the space that we're in is like quite a big space. It's got like, you know, upstairs, downstairs and has a 500 square meter warehouse that there was just more room to think in a space like that. The physical space kind of paralleled, you know, the bigger ideas and bigger thoughts. Um, so I see that as a as a real success um, too, because, you know, we've gone from strength to strength after making a decision like that. Are you maintaining that connection to community some other way? Yeah, absolutely. Like we still work with all the same people, um, but it's just like, you know, it gives us a chance to host them, to be able to like show manakitanga for them when they do come through. Um, and it means that we can have those sorts of engagements, but at a bigger scale, so we can pull in larger groups and things like that. Um, and then also there was a, with a co-working space, there's like, um, people borrow each other's reputation and things like that. So it's good for there to just be a dedicated space and go, oh, this is what Maui Studios is. And this is what you guys represent. This is the level of thinking that you guys always meant. Cause we, we can kind of, yeah, there's not the same restrictions anymore. We can have our logo out the front as big as we want or do whatever we want on the windows and yeah, just be a bit more self-determining, um, in a way that's been really beneficial to us and how we perceive ourselves. We don't have very much time, so we're going to have to rattle through these last questions. What's your superpower? Oh, I'd say my imagination. And that sounds way too cliche and lame, but when I look at it in my mind, it makes all the sense in the world. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Oh, what is that? It's up to you. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm pretty active. Hold on, I'll look up what it means. <laughs> This new campaigns to bring about political social change. Oh, well, one of our one of our um, talkana who's been active in the political space says that in some instances we are a form of uprising and rebellion in a way that we're we don't know that we're doing it. Um, so we because we're yeah yeah that's kind of yeah that's just how I put it yeah all good. <laughs> that sounds good. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, the fact that there is still so much to do, there's so much potential, like the things that technology can do, the things that the team can do that we can achieve as an organization, there's so many unchecked boxes. Um, so knowing that there's so much left to do and there's so much potential for what we can achieve motivates me and encourages me to seek more activities that make me more disciplined, um, so that we can go out and achieve those things. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? 
I think it's around consolidating what we do as a, a virtual production organization, both on the 3D and like um, visual art department, as well as the physical virtual production space. So challenges being that how we overcome the shortcomings and understanding the technology and the staffing capabilities, but also being able to mature alongside the industry so that when the broader film industry understands how to use some of these things, that we're ready to be able to cater to them. Is the industry ready for Kaupapa Māori or perhaps they're desperate for it? I think they're desperate for it. I think the world is desperate to learn more about our stories. Um, Like a lot of ideas are rehashed and you see that happening in um, Hollywood at the moment. And then like Kaupapa Māori, Te Ao Māori, our stories, our mythologies, our understandings of the worlds are largely untapped and uncommunicated. Um, So I think it's, it's kind of our time to shine. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, oh, who are your listeners? People that are listening. <laughs> yep, okay. Um, I reckon drink clean, fresh water, eat healthily, uh, get enough sleep, um, do something nice for other people, and take cold showers. <laughs> it was all quite appealing until the end, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me, man. If, uh, if you struggle with depression and all those sorts of things, taking the cold shower just brings you into the moment. I do, I do go for a swim in the sea. Yeah, Mawera. Mini, thank you for your uprising and rebellion. <laughs> we decolonise <laughs> spaces by being and practising in them, and you do that so incredibly well. Oh, thank and you. So I see what you are doing um, is, in a way, leading a charge and leading a chain, and I really, really appreciate that. And so thank you for joining us today. Thanks for sharing so openly and freely. And uh, and we wish you all the best for the journey ahead. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for your kind words and your time. Um, I feel really privileged to, to be on this on this show with you guys. So, yeah, I hope you guys have an awesome day. And thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, Tipu Kanga. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Pirupi Taylor. Mihi Maira. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, and from Otutahi Christchurch, we've been joined by the founder and CEO of Maui Studios, Vinny Egan. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. Yara, 
チプテラカメオナフワヘテフワヘテコレロネケコマウィタキリテホロテキリモコチアヘトフホキナペトアフィロヒアナクウィペネシアフィロテミミニマウィチツレテタハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッハッこの番組は、ニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュージーランドのニュ